Amen. Uh, have, have you loved this study of Joshua? Uh, it's, it is, this, this study is, is, you know, it's thousands of years old, yet it is so absolutely relevant to us. So get ready. Would you welcome our senior associate pastor, Pastor James Brown, as he comes and shares this word. Bring it on. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. All right. Are we ready for more of Joshua? Tonight we're going to talk about Jericho. I'll get a title of this. I'll just call it Faith and Glory. Last week uh, we studied, began a study in Joshua 6. And we learned that in the middle of the battle of Jericho, there are three principles of spiritual conflict, conflict and victory that we can glean and apply to our lives no matter what spiritual challenges that we face. We learned that we can, uh, what we need to do before the battle, what we need to do during the battle, and then what we need to do after the victory. And last week, that first principle was before the battle, remember that you fight from victory, not just for victory. Before we even go toe-to-toe -to -toe with our enemy or the impossible situation that we face in our lives, we need to remember that we are already a winner. We already have Christ living in us. Even if you are killed for your faith, you are already victorious. You're victorious. These words are powerful and true. We, this, this scripture, I shared it with you last week, but it's so powerful. I want to share it again tonight. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed or he stripped off the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That's powerful. Folks, tonight, listen, all we can do is win with Jesus Christ. It's like we got that song in our head. All I can do is win, 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 no matter what, right? That's what we do. We are spiritually victorious. Tonight, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua 6, verses 6 to 16, and then we're going to verse 20, and we can learn the second principle and the third one tonight. Joshua 6, 6 to 16 says this. So Joshua called together the priests, and he said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant, and assigned seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. And then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. And some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout and then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early in the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. 
The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. And on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Why don't we say a prayer tonight? Lord, we, we love you, God. We thank you for those that are here and those that are watching this online. Lord, we pray, God, that you would bless this word to us, God, that you would draw out of the word principles for spiritual victory in our lives. God, I pray that every person that is listening to this message, God, no matter what they're going through, the conflict they may be facing, the walls that are in front of them, the impossibility that stands before them, God, I pray that you will show them that if they have faith, Lord, in this battle, God, they will have victory. They already are victorious through Christ. But, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen everyone's faith tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So the year is somewhere between 1500 and 1400 B.C. Jericho is also known as the city of palm trees. It's about 10 miles northwest of the Dead Sea and about 825 feet below sea level. This is interesting about Jericho. You see, Jericho has the distinction of being situated at the lowest spot in the world. I don't know if you knew that. I found it interesting when I was studying this. It's just trivia. <laughs> but Jericho is built on a mound. And at the base of this mound, there is a stone retaining wall that's about 13 to 15 feet high. So you imagine, the, you imagine this big mound before you, okay? And you're at the base of the mound, and you look, and there's a stone wall about 13 to 15 feet high. And then on top of that stone wall is built a mud brick wall that is, is six foot thick, and it's another 20 to 26 feet high on top of that wall. And then there's an embankment because it's a big mound that the city is built on. So there's an embankment between that wall and the upper wall. And the upper wall is another brick wall. That is another 20 to 26 feet high. So when you're standing down here and you're marching, you're looking at a wall up the side of an embankment, and that very top wall is well over 50 foot above your head. That's how big this, the cities, of, uh, the walls were of Jericho, a double wall, retaining wall, a wall, an embankment, and then another wall. And there were people living in the city beyond that upper wall. But there were also thousands of people living on the embankment between those two walls. It's a very interesting situation. So imagine marching around this city. By all human standards, it would be impossible to get into the bastion of Jericho. It was well fortified and well defended. But here's what we need to learn tonight about during the battle. During the battle, remember 
that you overcome the enemy by faith. By faith. So when you look at the walls and you look at the embankment and you're looking 50 foot high and you're saying, no way, this is impossible, remember you overcome by faith. How many of you know what I'm talking about in your life? There's things going on right now that you cannot figure out. You don't know how it's going to work out. You, you may say it's just too far gone. That relationship is destroyed. Or you may say, man, I'm so far under in debt and my credit is ruined and, and I don't even know what I'm going to do with the future. I've messed up so many times and, uh, and privilege has been taken away from me. I just don't know how I'm ever going to get ahead anymore. I don't know how I'm going to make it anymore because of life. Because of the things that have been happening. It looks like wall after wall. And you're just looking at an impossibility. I want you to know something. That during the battle, you overcome the enemy by faith. It's faith. You have to believe in something bigger than your own ability to accomplish what needs to be done. You need God in your life. Faith is how we overcome the world. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. It's not just believing uh, you know, because it's just, a, you know, like a magical thing to do. I'll just believe in spite of the evidence. Listen, faith is believing because God is faithful. He's faithful, and he has proven himself. So there is evidence. God has come through. God has fulfilled his promises. God does what he says. There is evidence that God is faithful. Therefore, I can believe and have faith even though I don't see the pathway forward. I know that God can help me to overcome and give me the victory. It may not happen the way I think it might happen, but God has made me victorious and he'll give me the victory if I just trust in him. God had shown himself to the Israelites over and over again. He had proven his word and his power could be trusted. Think about it. He opened the Red Sea to deliver them and to destroy the Egyptian army that was advancing. He took care of them in their wilderness wanderings. Even though they were complainers and whiners, God still fed them. He still led them. He still spoke to them. He still talked to Moses. He gave them victories over great kings. He opened the Jordan River. He brought them safely into the promised land. And now he was about to do it again. Let me ask you tonight, how many of you need to, Lord, to do it again in your life? You need him to do it again, Lord. Just do it again. He's been faithful in the past. Well, listen, don't give up now. Don't lose your faith now. Now's the time to lean in, trust him more. I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight that faith is your answer. You can trust God that he'll do it again. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He will move the mountains. If you'd have just but a little bit of faith, the faith of a mustard seed, you've seen him move, and he will do it again. Joshua shared the plan of God with the priests first. He shared it with the men of God, the priests. It was very important that they followed the instructions that Joshua gave to them very carefully. The ark of the Lord needed to be in its proper place. It represented the presence of God. Without the ark, the Israelites could have marched and marched until they dropped from exhaustion, but there would have been no victory. Listen carefully. When we accept God's plan, we invite God's presence, and that guarantees victory. This is what it means to have faith. 
Do you accept God's plans in your life? Do you accept his word? Do you trust his word? Because when you do, you invite his presence. You say, God, I'm going to stand on this passage of scripture. God, I'm going to stand on this promise. What you have said, I believe it to be true, and I invite your presence into my life. And when God is with us, who can be against us? What enemy could stand? What weapon could harm us when God is with us? So you guarantee victory when you invite God into your life. What plan of God do you need to start listening to? Is there a passage or a verse of Scripture that you need to start obeying? Remember, in the middle of the battle, you overcome the enemy by faith. Then Joshua instructed the soldiers. Likely, he did not enlist the entire army for the battle of Jericho. See, there were over 2 million people in the nation of Israel at that time. And more than 600,000 of them were able-bodied men, able to bear arms, over 600,000. But they could not all participate in the Battle of Jericho because that many would have taken too long to march around the city, all right, let alone rush in when the walls came down. Because if they had rushed into Jericho, the size and dimensions that we know of, with 600,000 men, they would have been falling all over each other. It would have been dangerous. Okay, so he did not use 600,000 of the Israelites, but certainly all of Israel would participate in the last shout. All right, so when we read this story, we get a great sense of how important it is that God's people listen to their spiritual leaders and to God. It is so important. God speaks to us. And God uses your leaders. He uses your pastor. He uses people to lead you and to guide you and direct you in what he wants for you and the local body that he has created called the church, right? And we're part of his church. So there are spiritual leaders. God has given you to those spiritual leaders to shepherd, to, to take care of them, to help to, uh, to take care of their soul and to, to raise you up, to disciple you and to nurture you. So it's so important that you listen to your spiritual leaders and to God. Instructions are important. How many know God does not always do the same things in every circumstance, right? God changes things up. We learn about that, right? We can't figure God out, as Pastor was saying on Sunday morning. We, we Just when we think we figured him out and we just do the same thing over and over and over again, God has new things for us all the time. So God has something unique for Chandler First Assembly of God. He has something unique for this body, and he's going to lead us in a unique and a powerful way. When God's people rebel against their spiritual leaders, it leads to defeat and discipline, as it so often did to the Israelites in the wilderness and in the future after the Battle of Jericho. The week leading up to the walls collapsing must have been a test of their faith and patience. Think about it. The instructions, I want you to march around six days, and then they have to do all this ritual. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times on, this, on that day. And it's just a lot of, what? You know, we got the armed guys in the front and the back, but there's no battle happening. You know, there's no siege going on. Nobody's getting to storm the castle kind of thing. You know, it's just we're going to march around, and we're not even going to make a word. We're not even going to say a, a word. And then the horns are going to blow, you know, things like that. But that doesn't sound like a, you know, a conquest of any type. 
And it must have been a test of their faith and their patience. Here's, here's what I want you to know tonight. God is never in a hurry. His timing is never off. And he knows exactly what he is doing. Now, this is something that we need to repeat to ourselves over and over again. In fact, I'd like to do that tonight, so it's up on our screen. Can we say this together three times? Let's do this together. God is never in a hurry. His timing is never off. He knows exactly what he is doing. Let's say it again. God is never in a hurry. His timing is never off, and he knows exactly what he is doing. One more time. God is never in a hurry. His timing is never off, and he knows exactly what he is doing. How many believe it? Amen. Good. Let, we need to get this deep down in our spirit. Hebrews 6.12 says this, Follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. God's saying, look for somebody. Find someone in your life who you know is an, an excellent example of faith and patience or endurance. Follow them. Covet their wisdom and their prayers. Ask for their input in your life and don't give up. This is what God's saying. How many of you have somebody in your life that you can look to that is an example of faith and patience. I want to challenge you tonight, if you don't have someone like that in your life, do not stay alone. Don't stay in that situation. Find someone. It's a biblical, a biblical admonishment. Look to those as examples of faith and patience. Follow them. And I would say, just come, say, hey, you know what? I just want to learn from you. Ask some questions. How did you make it through? How did you do it? Tell me about how to that, have that kind of faith. You know, I love that story that you, I keep hearing about your life. Now, tell me about that a little bit more because here's what's going on in my life. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Because I want to be able to overcome like you have overcome. I want to be able to stand. I heard you went through so much in your life. I can't even imagine what that would have been like to go through. But look at you. I look at you as a rock-solid example of a, of a Christ follower. I want to be like that too. You need to find somebody like that in your life. You need somebody that, like that in your life. The people of Jericho probably expected a siege. Let's turn our attention to the folks inside the city walls right now. Can you imagine that? Seven days. There's no siege. They were expecting a siege. They were expecting something. Maybe an arrow fired. You know, maybe, maybe you know, one of those, those giant trebuchets or something, you know, with the big, big old stones, you know, just boom, fling it at the wall, do something, you know, with some machines of war. Maybe they get out the big battering ram, you know, or something, try to knock down some bricks. I don't know. But nothing like that. They're just marching around silent. That's creepy. You know, they're looking out the walls. What is going on? I, those, those Israelites are lunatics, man. But that kind of makes me scared of them. You know what I mean? They're kind of, maybe some of them, one eye wandering to the left and right. You know, they're just walking around. They're not talking. And the horns are blowing. 
But inside, I imagine as the six days are going on, by the time they get to the seventh day, it's getting kind of tense inside the walls of Jericho. You know, inside the city walls are like, we don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be bad, whatever it is, because they serve the God of wonders. And remember what the Bible said, they were afraid of the Israelites. Now, that's terror. How many, how many ever just, you know, you ever been in a situation where you're just waiting for the bad thing to happen? You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. You're tensing up. You're waiting for the, the scare moment, and it doesn't get there. It kind of drags you on and drags you on, and that's what makes it more scary because you don't know when it's coming. That's what it would have been like in the walls of Jericho. You see, they've been like, something bad is going to happen, and finally, it happens on the seventh day. The seventh day comes, and when the final blast of the trumpet sounds and the victory shout of the people roars, the walls come tumbling down. Now, this is too good. I want to try something tonight, but I'm going to need your help, all right? I'm enlisting you in the army of the Lord right now, all right? Everybody got fingers? All right, get out your snapping fingers, all right? Because we're going to do this for a minute. Yeah, warm them up for a second, right? Warm them up for a second. All right, you, you can take a little bit of, a, uh, of that hand sanitizer and put them on your fingers and you get a better snapping sound. All right, you can do that. Just try that right now. Trust me. All right, everybody get your two fingers out, right, two hands out with a snap, right? We're just going to go. Okay, keep that right there. Just keep nice and steady. Everybody do that. We're going to sing a song together. You ready to sing a song? It's going to be up on the screen right now. Ready? We're going to sing this song about Jericho so that we get this in our heart tonight, that there is nothing impossible for God. That our victory comes by faith. You guys ready to sing this? Ready? It's really catchy. Ready? Here we go. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. 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 Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. Sing it again. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. 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 Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. You may talk about your men of Gideon, you may talk about your men of Saul, but there's none like good old Joshua and the battle of Jericho. Come on. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Red up to the walls of Jericho, they marched with spear in hand. Go blow them ram horns, Joshua cried, cause the battle is in my hand. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Then the lamb ram sheep horns began to blow, and the trumpets began to sound. Joshua told the children to shout that morning, and the walls came tumbling down. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Keep going.
Okay. <laughs> I had a few bad notes in there, but that was fun. Thank you. I haven't played the trumpet here in uh, how many years, hon? Man, four or five years since I picked it up this morning. All right, now, you might never need to conquer an entire city like Joshua did. But the battles you are in right now are significant and important. Do not back down. Follow the Lord's plan. Follow his ways. You can't go wrong when you follow the ways of the Lord. The only way to grow in your faith is to accept new challenges and trust God to give you victory. Now, how many of you thought you'd come to church tonight and say, Lord, I'm praying for new challenges? No, probably not, right? But I want you to know that with the new challenges comes a stretching of your faith. It comes a growth in your life. So ask the Lord to help you in those challenges. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for power equal to your tasks. This is our God. He can give us the power to be victorious in all of the challenges that we face. Now, if you go on to read the rest of the chapter, verses 17 to 27, you're going to see that Joshua gave the soldiers four instructions to follow after they had taken the city. And you can read that there. You'll see four instructions. One, devote the entire city to God, he said. Verses 17 and 19. Two, rescue Rahab and her family. Verses 22 to 23, 25 to 26. Three, destroy the people of Jericho. Verse 21. And then burn the city. Verse 24. Those are the four instructions. Wow. Okay, now it's starting to sound like a war. All right, now it sounds like a battle. Devote the entire city to God. Rescue Rahab and her family. Destroy the people and burn the city. Without going into details about each one of these, I want to simply observe that all of these instructions were meant to bring glory to God. Every spoil was to be placed in the treasury of Israel as an offering that belonged to God. Every spoil. Now, this wasn't the same in all battles. This wasn't the same routine or plan for, for all wars that they would face. In fact, in the ancient war times, it was, it was brutal but when there were spoils of war, people got to keep some of that back, and they, the soldiers could take some of the spoil. But in this battle of Jericho, every spoil from Jericho would go to the treasury of Israel. No soldier would take anything for themselves. It would be a first fruits to God. This was the first big battle in the conquering of Canaan. And it would all go to God. Individuals were not to claim it. But one man... Achan disobeyed, which later brought Israel defeat and disgrace, and Achan and his family, death. Because of what happened at the Battle of Jericho, and Pastor's going to get into it when he preaches further on in chapter 7, but because of Achan's rebellion, Achan's sin, because he refused to listen to the instruction of the Lord after the battle, Israelite would have to fight some hard battles, and they'd have to lose some fights, and there would be defeats. 
It's because of the very first battle when Achan disobeyed. Isn't that amazing? So there is a lesson after the battle. The rescue of Rahab was to show an example of salvation and grace through faith. There are two really cool things about Rahab's story. First, it appears that the only section of the city wall, the town wall, that didn't fall down was the one that contained her house where she was waiting to be rescued. Now, this is really interesting. If you really want to study Jericho, get on the Internet, study the excavations that have been done of the city of Jericho. There's been some major excavations done in the 1900s of Jericho, and the one thing they found was there was one section of wall that didn't fall like the others did. And they very much believe this must have been Rahab's house because the Bible clearly says Rahab's house was built into the wall. And her, she and her family were the only ones to be spared in the battle of Jericho. Remember the spies? And they said, we promise when we come, you will be spared. Your lives will be spared. Just take that scarlet rope and hang it. Well, they didn't even need that because all the walls fell down. <laughs> Obviously, the house is right there. You know, everything else is bricks and, you know, it's now a ramp, you know, for us to travel up into the city. So her house was spared. This is interesting. Second, even though she was far from God, she was a Gentile considered outside the camp, she was brought into the family of Israel because of her faith. I want you to know how important this is. The Israelites were God's chosen people. God's favor was on them because all the other nations were serving pagan gods, false gods. They did not worship the Lord, okay? And, and, and the city of Jericho was particularly wicked. And so all those people were against God. So it was interesting that Rahab, just because of faith, she was not a Jew, okay, but she by faith trusted God, believed God, her life was spared, and she was brought into the family of Israel. And the Bible says she would marry Solomon, who would become an, and she would become an ancestress of King David and of the Messiah, Jesus. This is a testimony. Rahab's story is a testimony of the grace of God. I don't know how far off you might feel from God. Maybe someone here tonight, maybe somebody watching online, maybe you feel like you're, a, you know, you're just a third wheel somewhere. You don't, you're so far from God, you don't get it. You don't understand Christian culture. You don't get Christian people. You feel like I've been so bad, I can't relate to any of those people. And you feel like you're outside. You're an outsider. I just want you to know, Rahab was an outsider. But all she had to do was have faith, and she was brought in. There is nothing keeping you from being brought into the family of God. You must have faith and believe, and God will bring you in. The destruction of the people of Jericho was really about one thing. Some people struggle with this. How could a benevolent God just give an order to kill men, women, and children and destroy an entire people in Jericho? Well, there's really only one comment we can really make about this instruction, and that is this that God was at war with sin. He could not allow the Israelites to become contaminated by the sins of Jericho, which would happen in the future, by the way, when the people of Israel would not obey the Lord's instructions not to be contaminated by these pagan nations. And this is what God was concerned about, that if you are around them, and you're, you're going to become like them, 
and you're going to become start doing the things they do, and pretty soon you're not going to have a love for me, and pretty soon you're going to walk away from me. You're going to adopt their ways and their pagan beliefs and start worshiping their gods. This is what God was concerned about. So at Jericho, it was all about a war against sin. By burning the city, they would display God's fiery wrath against the wickedness of Jericho. All would learn that you cannot serve two masters. God is a jealous God, and he will not permit his people to divide their love between him and the false gods of the world. The burning of Jericho is a picture of the judgment of God that will fall on all those who reject the truth. That's it. Now, today, thanks. how many thank God for Jesus Christ? How many thank God his mercies are new every morning? In the New Testament, we read about Jericho, and the Bible simply says that the story of Jericho is there so that we can learn. It's for our example. But thank God for God's grace today. Otherwise, I don't know if much would be left on planet Earth because of the sin that abounds. But how many thank God for grace, which much more abounds? Amen? <laughs> I mean, where there is sin, grace abounds only because of Jesus. That's his great love. Because of the love of Christ, we get spared. Otherwise, how many, I mean, we'd be killed, right? The sins we commit, the things we do sometimes, we don't deserve what we get. That's because it's grace. God gets, gives us what we don't deserve. He died that death for us. Man, that's just amazing. Afterwards, Joshua even set a curse over the ashes of the ruined city. In verse 26, a curse that would one day be fulfilled when Hiel of Bethel rebuilt the walls of Jericho in the days of King Ahab. And when he did that, he rebuilt those walls of Jericho, the curse came upon him. Because that was the curse that Joshua gave over the ashes of Jericho. There was a curse that if anyone rebuilt the walls, death would come to them. And that's exactly what happened to Hiel, bringing death upon his eldest and his youngest sons when he rebuilt the walls of Jericho. See, God is serious about sin in our life. In conclusion, we learned the final lesson of the chapter, and that is this. After the battle, remember to obey God's commands and to give Him glory. Obey Him and give Him glory. God has given us so much and he's made us victorious through his son, Jesus. And it's not time to be careless or reckless or decide that I'm going to get the glory or decide that I don't really need to listen to God's instructions. No, listen, God has made you victorious, but he still wants your love and your faithfulness. God wants your obedience. Don't let the enemy rob the victory from you because after the victory you get reckless don't take the glory from God no man, no man should do that don't fail to obey his, his instructions do not be like Achan when God brings you through something he's expecting you to recognize his work in your life as he promised God was with Joshua and God made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. God magnified him. God's servants must never magnify themselves. 
You notice that? We should always allow God to elevate us. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, James says, and what? He will lift you up. He didn't say, humble yourselves and lift yourself up. He said, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You want to be a you want to be blessed by God? He doesn't just give you things so that you can have a bunch of toys and live at a high standard so that you can just flaunt it. God may give you things so that you can be a blessing. That's what he did for Abraham. Understand that. It's always God who does the work in your life, and it's always to bring him glory. He wants to do that for you. So God may very well bless you, and you ought to enjoy the things God blesses you with, but don't forget to be a blessing. That's why he has done it. Amen? We must be careful to give God glory in all things. It's when we are strong that we can get overconfident and forget to trust the Lord. And God wants us strong. But he doesn't want us overconfident. He doesn't want us to trust ourselves and our own abilities and our own strengths and our own giftings. God wants us to trust him and have faith in him. You see, after the Lord had made King Uzziah famous, King Uzziah, the one Isaiah talked about, King Uzziah lived from 783, or reigned rather, from 783 to 742 B.C. And this is what the scriptures say about King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26, 16. It says, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud. And that led to his downfall. Here tonight, in the end, after the victory, don't forget to obey God's instructions and to give him glory. Don't become spiritually proud. Don't allow the enemy to take it back and rob you of the victory that God has won for you. Amen? Amen. Can we say a prayer tonight? Let's go to the Lord. Jesus, we come to you, God, and we thank you, Father, for the lessons that you've taught us through the battle of Jericho. Lord, we thank you, God, so much, Father, that, Lord, even before the battle begins, Lord, we know that we fight from victory, not for victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. We thank you for that, God. We also know, though, in the, in the middle of the battle, Lord, that we, be, we are victorious by faith. Lord, we have to look at what's going around us, but not look at those circumstances and say, oh, that's impossible. But Lord, we look at it and say, you're the God of the impossible. Lord, we don't look at it and ask to have our own strength, but God, we ask for your strength to face the issues that we are facing, to face those battles, Lord, that are in front of us. God, we need your power and we need your strength. And then, Lord, when we get through it, Lord, we pray, God, that we won't become proud, that we won't become so strong and self-sufficient, Lord, that we forget you or that we get rebellious and we decide not to obey the instructions of God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that even after the victory, Lord, there is still obedience. There is still glory that needs to be brought to your name because, Lord, one victory shall lead to another victory and it'll lead to another victory. And, Lord, the greatest victories are the victories of people who give their lives to you, Lord, who come and submit themselves to you by faith and whose lives are transformed and renewed and, and Lord, made new because of you, Jesus Christ. Lord, when people are saved, that's the greatest victory of all, when people have given their lives to you and surrendered to you. So, Lord, I pray, God, that as you give us victory, Lord, that we would share those stories with others as a, a story to glorify you, God, and an opportunity to obey you in sharing that story so that someone else might hear it and become 
uh, convicted, inspired, drawn to the presence of God and surrender themselves to you. Lord, we thank you for this, Lord. God, we give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God is so good, isn't he?